Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the High Court this Sunday morning. Uh, it's good to see you all here, and a very warm welcome to any visitors that are with us. It's good to have you with us, and we hope you'll feel relaxed in the presence of God. A warm welcome also to those listening from home by various means. Uh, no uh, sort of church meetings on this week, but one important intimation. You may have read the Ross and Sogas Herald about the Church of Scotland or the Presbytery Mission Plan. Um, and again, apologies that you read it, may have read it in the newspaper first, but uh, the newspaper got it before we did. Um, the mission plan goes to back to Presbytery on the 16th of August uh, for ratification. So in your prayers, pray for the, the Kirk session as we consider an appeal, because after that meeting on 16th of August, we'll have 14 days to submit an appeal. So, you know, we will be doing that. So just pray for us as we, for guidance, and that God's will will be done. Uh, if you haven't signed the petition to help keep the High Kirk open, there's a petition in the clipboard over just by the Beatles pew. Please sign it. But sign it with your real names. We don't want one of these petitions with Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse and things like that. Uh, so I'll now hand over to Scott to lead us in worship. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, Billy. Well, in the scriptures we read, The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned between the cherubim, let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awe-inspiring name, for he is holy. Well, let's worship the Lord together, and we'll stand to sing. This is a beautiful hymn, Take Time to Be Holy. Speak oft with thy Lord.
Well, let's unite our hearts as we pray together. Let's pray. Oh, our gracious and heavenly loving Father, oh, to enter your presence is such a welcome home for the joy of your smiling face. Lord, lifts us. We're encouraged as we just get to behold the beauty of the Lord. To gaze upon your beauty, Lord, amazes us. And receiving your forgiveness humbles us. But Lord, oh, to swim in your eternal love, oh, excites us. And so, Lord, today, you know our hearts. Lord, here at the High Kirk, we've, we've been, Lord, a light upon a hill. For centuries, we've seen the gospel go out from this place. Lord, I would ask even this day, please, would you bring about the greatest miracle for us here? Would you turn the hearts of those who would seek to close this place? Lord, it has been such a sanctuary of rest, a sanctuary of peace, a sanctuary of love. Lord, we've always sought to point to you. Our heart has been to reach out to our community, to bring the good news of the gospel. And Lord, we do want to honour you. And so, Lord, in these moments and in the time ahead, Lord, we do plead, oh, that you would place your hand upon us. Lord, grant us such protection. And Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that you would take a hold of this sanctuary. And Lord, fill it with your glory. And that that glory, the glory of the Lord would go out from this place and affect the whole community and would go out through towns and cities. Lord, that we would see again another day of your right hand, a day of sweet revival. Lord, it would be such a joy if you would begin with us here. Revive us. And Lord, as we bow before you this morning, yes, we're aware of our sin, our weakness and our frailties. Lord, the, the weight of it all often bows us low. But oh, when we get a glimpse of your mercy, love and grace, Oh, when we get a, a glimpse of your might and majesty, then, Lord, our hearts are drawn upward where we experience again refreshing and renewal. And so, Lord, we do pray. Oh, may the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit change us Transform us, renew us and revive us. And may the beauty of Jesus be seen in us. And so, Lord, we do rejoice. And we sing the praises of him who loved us. And has freed us from our sins by his blood. And has made us to be a kingdom. And priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. And so, Lord, as we pray in Jesus' sweet and precious name, we now join our hearts as we share in the Lord's Prayer, praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 
Amen. Amen. Well, we take our Bible reading from Exodus chapter 40. Exodus chapter 40, and there at verse 26, Moses placed the gold altar in the tent of meeting in front of the curtain and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord commanded him. Then he put up the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. He set the altar of burnt offering near the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and offered on it burnt offerings and grain offerings as the Lord commanded him. He placed the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing. And Moses and Aaron and his sons used it to wash their hands and feet. They washed whenever they entered the tent of meeting or approached the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar and put up the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. Amen. May the Lord bless us the reading of his precious word. We've come to the end of the chapter, this book of Exodus. And as we're on the last chapter, I want you to notice that God's people are now free from slavery. They're free from Egypt. And God has made his dwelling with his people. As we come to the end of Exodus, it feels like a wedding. The tabernacle is complete. That great tent is ready. All the garments are made and all the attendants are ready. And then we read these words, and Moses had completed his work. And you almost have a sigh of relief for the people of Israel. You think, oh, isn't that lovely? All the work is complete. It is finished. The work's complete. And now God is with his people. Remember how Moses had been praying, Lord, we need your presence. That's what means most to us. Without your presence, Lord, it doesn't really matter about anything else. But Lord, how we need you. The desperate prayer of Moses has been fulfilled. His work is complete. The, he can go to be with the Lord, settled in his heart, that Lord, you're going to go with them. You're going to be with them. Your presence now dwells with them. But notice, as we read here, in verse 34 and verse 35, our attention isn't drawn to Moses. Our attention isn't drawn to the tabernacle. But everything seems to be now looking up. The writer intends us now to be drawn, not out on the completed work, not to say, look at this. Isn't this wonderful? What a wonderful temple. What a wonderful tabernacle. What beautiful embroideries. What beautiful curtains. No way do you see in this passage all attention now drawn to this building. All attention now goes up. 
And we're told that the glory of the Lord filled the temple. That's the focus. And I know many of us here today feel so disheartened at the battle we're facing right now to keep this building. And I'm one who is up for the battle. <laughs> but you know this, I'm not fighting for this building. The reason I'm all out for the High Kirk is because I have known the deep, deep presence of God in this place. I have met so many souls over my 20 years here who have come into the church and who have left telling me, Scott, did you feel that today? The Lord was with us. And I still get comments of people leaving church saying, Scott, I don't know how you knew about my life, but boy, God spoke to me today. And while I know the presence of God like that in this place, and I feel him when I preach and when we minister together, when we share, I can feel his presence often. Sometimes I feel it deeper than at other times. And you know when often I felt the deepest presence of God come into the church? It's when I have felt at my lowest. And I know for many of you, it's when you're at your lowest, isn't it? That's when we feel him so near. And that's why I love the scriptures. The Lord draws near to those who are contrite of spirit, who are brokenhearted. And I know there are some of you here, you're worried for your children, you're worried for your husbands, you're worried for neighbors and friends who have known bereavement, who are going through awful health issues. And you know, it's times like that when you realize how important it is to look up and to hold on for dear life, not to our buildings, not to our traditions, but to the Lord himself. And so Moses, we're encouraged today. Yes, the tabernacle is complete. All the work is done. But now look up. And we're told, for the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. That same glory that had been with Moses all through his ministry, there in the burning bush, God dwelt in that bush. When he descended on Mount Sinai, read there in chapter 19 of Exodus, how the glory descended. And in chapter 33, we already have read over these past weeks, how the glory of God just passed over Moses and he got a glimpse, just a glimpse of that glory. And now we see the fiery glory, the weightiness of the presence of God now comes upon the tabernacle. What a sight that must have been. To see the glory, that fiery presence of God just burst through the outer court, through the holy place, and then into the holy of holies. Oh, there must have been real excitement to see the fire of God's presence come. We're told that the presence of God absolutely filled the tabernacle, that tent. It didn't matter where you were, you could feel the presence of God. For he is holy, holy, holy. When Isaiah got caught up with the Lord himself, when he was drawn up, we're told that he saw the glory of the Lord as well, filling the temple. And we're told there how the angels were flying around the throne with two wings they were flying, with two wings they were covering their eyes and two other wings covering their feet. In humility, in worship, these angels cry, holy, holy, holy. As they got caught up in the glory of the Lord, here 
Israel got another taste. They got a taste of that glory as the glory filled now the tabernacle. The tabernacle was ablaze with God. I like that. Yet it was not consumed. That tabernacle didn't burn up. How amazing when, when you see the fire of God's presence coming and yet the tabernacle didn't burn. There was no smell of burning in that place. No singeing. Just like the burning bush, remember? That ordinary, ordinary acacia bush there on a the hillside was filled with fire. But there was no smelling of singeing. There was no burn. It wasn't burning away. And now we see God in the tabernacle. He fills this place. And no one can enter, even Moses, until the intense glory settles down upon the Ark of the Covenant. Everyone had to just wait. As the presence of God filled the tabernacle, they just waited. They just watched what God was doing. And as God settled and as he made his dwelling, the people are now caught up in the glory. They are so inspired. They are so encouraged. They are so fearful. They had the fear of the Lord. There was a reverence, a deep reverence for the things of God. And I just wondered if maybe sometimes we lose that as a church. People can get so frivolous about church. As we've shared even over these weeks, people can turn to gimmicks and entertainment to try and attract people to a church. What we need is not the gimmicks and the entertainment. What we need is God. <laughs> we need the Lord. And that's what makes all the difference. Jesus said when he is high and lifted up, when people see the suffering Christ, when they see a crucified Savior, they will be drawn. And as we read the scriptures once again, we, we're just reminded, Lord, it's all about you. My life should be all about you, not me. The mission plan for our church should not be about the Church of Scotland. It should be about you. The plans, plans for the future for Stevenson should be about you, Lord. Not some idea of a small committee. Lord, the church ought to be here. And it ought to be about you. And so, when you go through the scriptures, it's amazing actually when we read the word glory. It appears over 400 times in the Bible. That tells me the glory of God is important. But can I ask some questions of our textbooks today? I just want to just highlight on this verse 34. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. I just want to ask some questions of that text. Notice verse 34. It begins with the words, then. Then the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Then refers to something previous. So... What's running, up? What, what's running up to the Lord filling the, ten, the tabernacle? Well, the then refers to, so Moses had finished his work. So when we follow this, Moses had finished his work, then the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So what work has Moses finished? that would bring on the glory of God to fill the tabernacle. There's something tied to the work that Moses has completed. So what did he do? Well, we're told that he set up the tabernacle as the Lord commanded Moses. He was obedient in having this tent built. 
Moses had prepared a dwelling place for God. A place where God would come and dwell with his people. Moses was instrumental. That was his main work, was to create a habitation that, where God could come. A place where God would be happy to live. Notice, Moses made room for God. I like that. Yes, he was absolutely obedient to the Lord. Everything that was made that was made was fulfilled according to the pattern that God gave Moses. Moses didn't receive the blueprint and say, look, Lord, actually, I can improve on this. You know how you're using curtains around the side here? Well, I can improve on that. We could make bricks like we did in Egypt. We could make something more solid here. Lord, this will blow down in the first gale. We can make something better. No. Moses completed the work that God gave him to do. Yes, Israel may have been tempted to say, but Moses, we can do better. We can build something nicer. We can build something that the whole of Stevenson will come to. We can improve on the worship in the Bible. And so Moses completed his work. He followed God's plan for his life. He made room for God. And then God came and filled the tabernacle. When did God come? When Moses had completed his work. When he had made room for God. God came. And notice where. That's my second question. Where did God come? Well, when we go through the whole of history of Israel, it's so interesting how the glory of God filled the Garden of Eden. The dwelling place of God, Eden, as Adam and Eve walked in the garden, they walked in the presence of the glory of God. We're also told that the glory of God came upon the sacrifices when God made covenant with his people. He divided the sacrifices and we're told that the glory of God came upon them. As we mentioned already, the glory of God came upon that burning bush. And here God comes in all his glory. Where? To the meeting place of God. A place where God could be with his people. Where he could make covenant with people. God came to the meeting place. Where hearts would be open. Where hearts would enjoy the presence of God. But notice also. When we come into the New Testament, Jesus makes a wonderful declaration. In John's Gospel, Jesus tells us that he now is the tabernacle of God. He is the place that people can meet with God. We meet in Christ. Christ is the dwelling place. Jesus is the tabernacle, the temple of God. That's why Jesus said, knock this temple down and I will raise it up. He was declaring, for I am the temple. Yes, I will be crucified, but on the third day I will be raised up in glory. And so here, 
John tells us, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And what's more amazing is that when you come into the, new, into the book of Acts, we're told that the glory now comes upon the church. For we are the temple of God. Yes, Jesus declares himself to be the temple. But how glorious. Those who come to know Christ become that temple too. And Paul wrote to the Corinthians, for you are the temple of the Lord. Now, we often take that scripture out of context. We turn it into a verse that's just for me. Oh, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have to be, behave. I have to be careful what I eat, what I drink, what I do, what I see, what I listen to. Now, that's true, yes. We ought, as Christians, to be careful what we look at, what we listen to, how we live. But... Paul, when he wrote to the church at Corinth and said, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, he wasn't talking to the individual. He was talking to the church. When the church comes together, we are the temple of God. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the temple of the Holy Spirit is a place where God's people come together and the glory fills the temple. And so we're told that, yes, the glory of God came. Where? To a place that was ready to meet with God. A habitation, a dwelling place for God. And Moses had that place prepared. The great Puritan commentator, Matthew Henry, he writes this. God will dwell with those that prepare him a habitation. The broken and contrite heart, the clean and holy heart that is furnished for his service and devoted to his honour shall be his rest forever. Here will Christ dwell by faith. Where God has a throne and an altar in the soul, there is a living temple. Oh, Amen. God comes to a place that is made ready for him. He comes to those who prepare him room, who make room for him. That God is welcome in this place. Lord, you are welcome in my life, in my home. Lord, the best room is yours. In fact, Lord... This home is yours. <laughs> Fill my home, Lord. And can I just close with asking, why? We've asked the question, when and where, but why did God's glory come? We're told that he came upon the mercy seat. Why? For he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Why did the Lord come and fill his temple? Why did he come and fill that tabernacle, that tent? Because God is good, and he's merciful. And there he makes his dwelling, there upon the mercy seat. Remember the mercy seat? We have the Ark of the Covenant. And what's in the Ark of the Covenant? The law of God. And the manna, a wee pot of manna. And Aaron's budding stick. That was in the Ark of the Covenant that was taken into the temple eventually. But above the law, see when you go into the Holy of Holies, you bow down and yes, you're faced with the law. But isn't it amazing that when you go into the Holy of Holies, you're not encouraged to stare down. You're encouraged to look up. Why? Because above the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. 
And we're told that God made his dwelling above the mercy seat. When you look up, that's the place where you see God. Peering into the law, you get a mirror image of yourself. You look down into the law, you look and you say, Lord, I've broken that commandment, and I've broken that commandment. Lord, I've sinned, I've fallen short. That's what happens when you go into the holy presence of God and look down. And you can look into the law and say, Lord, I've broken so many of these laws. Lord, yes, I can say with the Apostle Paul, I have sinned and I've fallen short of your glory. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? But you know, we, the high priest was encouraged, oh, don't peer into that. Look up, look to the mercy seat. Look to the Lord who answers prayer. Look to him who is good and his mercy endures forever. When you come into this place, yes, look up. I'm the long-suffering God. I'm the God who is patient. I'm the God who is kind. I know what you've done. I know what you've gone through. And I know what you're like. None of it takes me by surprise. But the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. And as we look up, we can look into the face of God. And we can see his love. His amazing grace. We can see his beauty. And looking into the face of God, we can, we can know, Lord, I know that you can forgive me. I know you can wash me clean. I know you can give me a new beginning. As I turn my eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Why did the glory come? Yes, because God is good. And merciful. But Deuteronomy chapter 6 tells us that God came as well to make his dwelling with his people because he loves us. He loves you and me. God is irresistibly drawn to you and me. If you were to ask a question, why would he be drawn to me? I'm a sinner. I've mucked up my life. I've made such a mess. Even this week, Scott, if you could see my thoughts and if you could see what I've been saying and doing this week, how could the Lord be drawn to me of all people? And see, when we ask that question, don't ask me. Why don't you ask the Lord? <laughs> and do you know what the Lord says? He tells us, the reason I love you is because I love you. Do you know that's the only reason in Scripture the Lord gives why he loves you and me? He loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son. Why would he do that? Because he loves you and he loves me. And God gives no other reason why he would love you. And therefore, we're just to receive. We're to receive his love in Christ the father could easily say, do you believe that I really love you? Well, behold my beloved son. God gave his only begotten son. Do you believe me now? Look at the cross. Look how he died for you. Look how he took on himself your sins and my sins. Do you believe me now? Do you believe I love you now? Look how he lived for you. Look how he was persecuted. How he was wounded and bruised for your transgressions. He, he, did, he committed no sin. You're the one who committed the sins. But look at Jesus. He committed no sin. But he suffered for you. He was bruised because of you. He died because of you. Because of your sins, not his. Do you believe me now that I love you? I really, really love you. I'm patient, I'm kind, I'm long-suffering. Moses, do you believe me? Tell Israel. I'm the irresistible one. I'm the altogether lovely one. I want to be with you. I love you so much that I want to be with you. I want to come down and be with you for all eternity. Do you believe me? 
Go to the book of Revelation. And what are we told? An end is coming to this world of sin. This dark world is going to come to an end. And we're told that there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. God is coming. Jesus is coming back. And he will make all things new. And then what are we told? That God is going to make his dwelling with us. Why? Because he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. And so, without the glory of God, without the glory of his presence, do you know, we don't, we're not at peace. We don't know that deep joy. We don't know victory. We go on from day to day just, oh, just falling and picking ourselves up. And for many, life can be just an endurance race. It's just enduring. Oh, Lord, not another thing going wrong in my life. But you know, when you have a heart just after the presence of God, just to know him. Oh, even when we go through the worst of times, oh, make room for God and he'll come. He'll fill you with his peace, his joy. He'll fill you with his glory. Christ, the indwelling glory. Oh, would you, will you receive him? Will you make him room? Will you get your heart ready this morning to receive the presence of God? Will you invite him in? Lord, Lord, I want to make room for you today. Fill my whole life. Fill my thoughts. Fill my emotions. Fill my desires. Fill my dreams. And Lord, fill my prayers. Come and fill me, Lord. Please. Is that your heart? I will close. Reverend Roderick MacLeod. I have to mention him because he was a minister from Skye there in the 1800s. And you know, he preached a sermon there at the beginning of a revival in Skye. It was a small populated island at the time, but when God came, thousands, up to 15,000 came to a communion there in the north of Skye, there at the Ferry Bridge. It was an open-air meeting. And on that communion, Roderick MacLeod preached a sermon on 2 Kings chapter 3. And he talked about digging wells. About the, the digging of the wells. And he made these three points from the text. He said, therefore... All of you, please, make room for God. Prepare your heart and expect the coming blessing. That's how he finished his sermon on 2 Kings chapter 3. He said, make room for God. Prepare your heart and expect the coming blessing. And you know, as I thought of that sermon this week, I thought, you know, that's exactly what Moses is telling us to do. Because of Exodus chapter 40 and what we've read, therefore, can I encourage you all, therefore, make room for God in your life. Make more room for him. Prepare your heart and expect the coming blessing. Can you do that? Oh, well, let's do that as we just have a quiet time and then Billy's going to lead us in our intercessory prayers. But let's have a quiet time of prayer. Lord, as we bow in your presence, we thank you for your love. Lord, your love that is unconditional. And Lord, as Scott's just reminded us that you love us, because you love us. And Lord, as we bow before you, we just ask you to fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. May we be emboldened, Lord, to be witnesses for you.
and to stand up and be counted. Lord, we just pray for the situation that the High Kirk finds itself in, Lord, with possible closure, Lord. And Lord, we just pray that you will move in the hearts of those who make this decision, Lord. We pray, Lord, that your will will be done. We pray for our Kirk session, Lord, as they meet to prepare an appeal, Lord. And Lord, we just pray that this will not be falling on deaf ears. Lord, we pray for those in our fellowship who are in hospital or housebound, those who are recovering from surgery or illness, Lord, that you will bless them, you will draw close to them. Lord, there are several, but we pray for a couple in particular, Lord. We pray for for Jean Nevin's son, Johnson, Lord, as he receives treatment for cancer, Lord. Lord, we just pray that your hand will be upon him. You'll be close to him and you'll comfort him. And Lord, we pray for Walter Forbes, Lord. We just pray that, Lord, you will bless Walter, Lord, that you'll be, draw close to him, that he will be aware of your presence. Lord, we pray for those of our fellowship, those we know who are out serving you in, in the mission field, Lord. We ask you to protect them and give them strength. Fill them with your Holy Spirit as they witness for you and, and they share the gospel. Lord, we pray for those, for all of us, Lord, who are affected by this energy crisis as we see the prices of gas and electricity and petrol and diesel going up, Lord. Lord, we pray for the leaders of our land. We just pray, Lord, that they will do what they can do to avoid many people going into a poverty situation. Lord, we pray again and for the situation in the Ukraine, Lord. It's no longer headline news. But we pray, Lord, that you will be close to the U Ukrainian people, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that you give us to bring our tithes and our offerings, Lord. Lord, we ask you to take them and to use them for the extension of your kingdom. Lord, we ask all these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to stand in our closing hymn. This is a beautiful hymn. As we've been, as we've been sharing about the presence of God, then let's stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene.
And so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, comfort and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.